Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. This episode is sponsored by Happy Fox Health, a natural supplement brand focused on CMOS, a marine algae that has 92 out of 102 essential nutrients that your body needs to thrive and regenerate. I've used a number of their products and found it's really given me clarity of mind. Visit happyfoxhealth.com and use promo code THECRAFT for an exclusive 15-20% to 20% discount off your first product purchase. This episode is a special edition in partnership with Herschel Supply and Herschel Vancouver. Thank you to the Herschel team for reaching out about doing a live conversation slash live podcast recording with us at their Robson Street location, bringing the community together for a fun, inspiring night. I'm super honored. To the friends and community who came out last Tuesday evening, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being warm, open, and eager to listen to our conversation. Here's to a second round sometime in the near future and many more The Craft live conversations to come in this city and others around the world. For me, this one is also special because it brings back my very first podcast guest and dear friend, Garrett Louie. A legend and pioneer in the fashion, arts, culture, music, and entertainment scenes for over 30 years, he's an inspiration to all generations. In this conversation, we dive a little deeper into his growing up, big milestones he's had over the last two years selling livestock to JD Sports, launching his brand, and getting healthy in the mind and body. The most important thing he learned during the process of selling livestock, his relationship with connection and community, the things he's strong at in brand building, and what he delegates to others who are stronger at other skills, how his personal evolution has affected the way he approaches creativity and business, the genetic codes he's leaving behind for the next generation to build upon, emerging trends he's seeing, what he'd like to express to the people and friends he's worked and collaborated with along the way, and more. Please enjoy this live and always insightful conversation with the wise and one and only Garrett Louie. Hello, everyone. Nice to see so many people out here today. Thank you for coming out. This is the first live recording of The Craft. So thank you for being here. But first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations on which, whose land, we are doing this event tonight. So paying respect to that. Um, So first, first conversation live, I'd like to thank Herschel, the Herschel team for reaching out to do this event. Feels really special and I feel very, very honored. So thank you to that team. Beautiful space, beautiful crowd. And also I'd like to give a couple of shout outs, uh, a couple of shout outs to my team, the sound team in the corner there, Jay and Andro, Juno Kim, who's been uh, my photographer for the season and has done a really beautiful job in co-creating the visuals for it. And uh, thank you to Garrett for being here. Thank you, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, May. And I thought that maybe before we start the conversation, I'd give a little context to why I started the craft. 
And for me, it was originally a missing of my journalism days. And I thought about what about my journalism days I missed. And it really was missing the interviewing, the meeting with subjects, and to learn more about them through their stories. And so I realized that in my world, I had all of these amazing friends and creatives and entrepreneurs and talents, acquaintances, um, people that I would meet along the way that were just teaching me so many things along the way. And we'd have these really deep and intimate conversations. And I thought, hey, why not record it and share it with everyone else? So now we're 60 episodes in and hopefully way more to come. And so thank you to everyone who's been tuning in. And last but not least, let's turn it over to getting to know Garrett a little bit more. Garrett is probably someone that all of you have heard about. If you're not friends with him, lots of friends here I can see in, in the crowd. Uh, Garrett has been around for a really, really long time. He's been a legend, a pioneer in fashion and skate and entertainment. Since the dinosaurs. <laughs> Since the dinosaur days. <laughs> but no, no, no kidding. He's been around and he's been really pioneering the way for 30 plus years and uh, turning all of these passions into businesses. Time Bomb Trading, NLA, Fortune Sound Club, Taken, uh, F-Bomb, all of these really, really amazing businesses. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really honored that you're here and I'm really excited to dive right, right into it. But mostly, and I should add this too, that yes, he is all of these things, he's all these titles, he's done all of these things, but he's also a really amazing human and a friend. So with no further ado, let's get into it. Thank you, May. You're welcome. Thanks for that <laughs> intro. Yeah. Humbled by that. <laughs> so, you know, with all of my episodes, I really like to go back into people's childhoods. And I know, so Garrett was my first guest on, on The Craft, so it's really awesome to have him back here in this live setting. But in our first episode, we didn't really get into your childhood all that much. So I'd love to go way back and yeah, get a I, sense of that. I think um, back then I was just, it was right in the heart of covid and uh, I was just kind of sick of my own story, so I just wanted to talk about that. And when I, when I reviewed that one, that's pretty much where we were at. It was a little bit darker, a little bit darker episode, if you want to go check that one. Yeah, so tell me a bit more about your childhood. Tell me about your, your parents, even. Well, um, my dad's here today. Nick Louie's a legend. Um, yeah. Uh, my parents got divorced at a pretty young age, so I actually didn't live with my father after grade three. Um, uh, so I was living with my mom at that time, and uh, my dad was just starting his sales agency, so it wasn't. It was a little bit tough as well because he was on the road hustling. The sales agency was pretty small. I think he only had a few staff at that time, just uh, you know, hustling to make it happen. He was selling menswear, suits and ties, and whatnot. I live with my mom, and uh, you know we grew up in co-op housing for a little while. Um, but I think that grind of living that way really, really struck my work ethic. Just, just had to really fight my way out of things just to just to uh, survive, kind of thing. So I really, I'm glad that I had this sort of vibe growing up to to feel that. Um, but I, I can't say that we were necessarily poor. Like, it wasn't anything that you really noticed. You know, you just, you didn't know anything different, really. You know what I mean? 
But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd say it was pretty good, to be honest. I, I only have great memories of it. Um, my mom then married somebody else, my stepfather, who helped raise us as well. And my dad got remarried, and I have uh, an amazing half-brother, Alan, and Amanda out of the whole situation. So when I look back at everything, I'm just super happy everything happened the way it did. And what were you like as a kid and teen? I was really, um, I was really creative back then. I was into photography. I was maybe going to get into skate photography. I was drawing a lot, like illustrating. Uh, I think I was looking to get into something in, in that world more creative, you know. And I think once I started working, it was so many jobs that kind of came up that, like, right when I was 18, I started working pretty hard and had multiple businesses and jobs on top of each other. I, I'd have to say that side of the creative side of me went away for pretty much up until now, I would have to say. It was just a, a lot of work, you know? Mm. And I'm curious to know where that where did that creativity come from? Was it from a parent? Was it from th something that you sort of observed in your world? I think it was uh, just being around the skateboard industry. There were so many creative DIY things going on, um, skateboarding and then snowboarding after that, and music that that really influenced me quite a bit. I remember reading somewhere that you said your your childhood hero was Bruce Lee. Tell me more about that. I ha I got a Bruce Lee tattoo this year. Pretty stoked on. I think growing up there was no <clears throat> heroes for us to look up to. You know, there wasn't there's not many Asian basketball players at that time and hockey players and sports and celebrities, but Bruce Lee was the one guy that we could kind of look up to, watch his films, and um, yeah, he's pretty pretty fresh. I still love him today. Yeah, I, I think you were showing me your tatties right on your, your yeah. stomach. Well, let's fast forward into now. You've had a pretty despite the, in spite of the pandemic, I should say, you've had a pretty big couple of years. You, um, you sold livestock to JD Sports. You've been really focusing on your, your mental health and your wellness and your well-being. Mm -hmm. Fortune just opened back up. How are you feeling about all of these milestones in the last two years? It was definitely, I think we talked the last episode of all the stuff that I went through transformationally as far as growth and personal stuff and also getting through that year that was pretty tough. But I have to say, coming out of it now, um, really happy. Our distribution, you know, at that time, many stores were closed. I, I remember saying that we didn't know how many were going to stay open and this and that. We had lots of goods coming in. We didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And, you know, we were talking to other owners and friends of different brands and nobody knew, you know. But I, I'm really happy to say that most people came out of it pretty good. Even our distribution grew quite a bit. We, um, so so that, that's really great. Um, the club was the one thing that was really tough that I remember talking about because the nightlife industry was just straight shut down for you know, a couple of years. It wasn't even half open or 30% or we can do takeout. It was just straight closed. That was really tough, but um, we opened when you know they allowed the full dance floor without masks. And I did go to the club that, I mean, I've been going quite a bit. So a couple things is that I was really 
kind of chilling before, not going out so much. And now that things have opened, I've been going out once or twice a week. I'm really tired from it, so I'm really happy, but I'm really tired because I'm back into that zone again. Um, but it's been really cool to see the new generation coming out. And when we did open the very first time with, with a full dance floor, we had, you know, I think things have been popping off like pretty crazy. Like even Mondays have been crazy. Like everybody, you got to understand there's three years of people that have never gone out, you know, so people that were 17 are now 19, you know, so seven, so 19, 20, 21, you backtrack those three years of people not going out that have never been to a club before and experiencing fortune for the first time, even though it's our 13 years um, that, anniversary this year. And I walked down one, uh, one side of a lineup and it was like a block and a half long and the other side was a block and a half long. This is the very first time we opened. I was looking for any friends that might be in line because most friends don't really want to wait in line and you kind of pull people out. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of fresh faces. And that night, I got up on the stage at 12.30, and I just stopped the music. And everyone's looking at the DJ booth, like, what the fuck happened? And I was just saying, I wanted to thank the staff that stuck with us at that time, because there was definitely a few people that stuck around. And I, I was like, hey, make sure you tip them tonight, because it's been a long time for these people not working. And then I said, hey, how many people here have never been to Fortune before? And I'd say more than half the crowd was like, ah, it's pretty crazy. So that was a really good feeling. Um, if, if you can imagine a party, uh, you know, 1999 going to 2000, people were talking about that, or a New Year's Eve party or somebody's birthday or whatever. Picture a party, three years of pandemic closing and then things open again and what that feeling was like of everybody just smiles on their face and high-fiving and everybody had that kind of connection and was so stoked to go out. So definitely, that was really uh, something to see. I'm glad I got to witness that. Something I was thinking of for so many, for a couple of years, for sure. Yeah, like the, the new roaring 20s, everyone's out and they really want to connect and have a good time. For sure, I mean, you have to be pretty cautiously optimistic, I think, still. And like that, that's how I am just to, you know, as if somebody's doing business and you're trying to think five steps ahead all the time and things are real busy right now, but and then, you know, other factors come in of economy and inflation. You're like, okay, I hope this keeps going here. But this is with all, all the businesses. This is stuff that we think about. But right now, let's ride the wave and go with it. Mm. There was something that you said uh, earlier about how everything was shut down and you were spending a lot of time at home. I know in our last conversation, you, we were talking about how you were finding this, this new chapter of minimalism and getting rid of stuff in your house, et cetera. And then you talked uh, about um, everything opening up and you're going out a lot. Are you still finding that you still want that life of minimalism? Like, How are you balancing now things are opened up and you wanting to go and do things versus like this chapter that you found yourself immersed in where you were doing things at a slower pace and I guess acquiring less stuff whether it's physical or yeah you know the emotional things that we can take on I still um I I, I do want to chill but I don't know if now's the time things have opened up so even with the distribution business all of a sudden all 15 brands that we represent are saying hey let's have a sales meeting you know we had meetings in California last week, but at the same time, they were going on in Portland, Mexico, got to go to Montreal next week, and it was back to LA, and 
it was just like, holy shit, the taps just opened up. Whoa, what happened here? Can we go back a little bit, like somewhere in between? It went from nothing to full on. So it's definitely a lot to you know, take in right away because I'm not really used to it. But um, yeah, I'm really happy to see everybody. As far as the minimalism, like just getting rid of stuff, yeah, I mean, I, want, I would like to get down to a place where it's just fairly essentials and stuff that I really love and care about. And that's going to be a little bit of a journey. I just had the time over COVID to get rid of things that I wasn't using and felt so good to clean. But also, again, too much of a planner, maybe thinking too far ahead. But yeah, my kids are, you know, flying the coop after this summer. And, you know, it's going to be just my wife and I. And what, you know, after that, um, do we need a house this size? Maybe we can go into something smaller. Okay, well, I'm going to have to just get rid of more things and just get it down to a point where you can be really flexible and move wherever you want to go and just not, not really worry about it. And when you kind of get to that level, and it's still a work in progress, but it's definitely real, really freeing because then you start to think, well, what are you working so hard for? You don't care about things and stuff. Okay, you know, and it really makes you think about that. How do you feel about the kids flying the coop? I feel pretty, I mean, happy for them, for sure. They're going to Montreal. They're going to uh, <clears throat> Concordia. One's in music. Raiden's in, uh, he's drumming uh, for this band, Jonah Yano, and they're, he's opening for Claro, doing a full European tour in October. So, I mean, picture a teen, like, going on tour uh, to drum across Europe, and, and the band's out east, so it makes total sense. And then my other son, Nevin, who's into uh, filmmaking and photography. So they're both into the arts. He's going out there just to live with him. And, but for me personally, it's, uh, it's been kind of sad for sure. I mean, I'm happy for them, but just this going through your head and you know, the dinner table and they're there, then, oh man, uh, it's gonna be pretty empty. It's definitely, uh, some, I'm feeling some sort of way about it that I haven't processed it all yet because I've got a summer kind of left. I mean, they'll be coming back, of course, and who knows, whatever, but you know, it's hard not to think about that. Like, wow, that happened really fast, you know? Mm, the babies have grown up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a question about the sale of livestock to JD Sports, mm -hmm. which I can't imagine was uh, an, an easy or a quick process. In, in that process of the sale, what did you learn, what did you learn that was the most important about someone who wants to sell their company to another company in case there's someone in the audience who's thinking of doing that? Well, we asked Lyndon first. <laughs> 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 True story. Um, <clears throat> that was many years ago. I mean, it's hard to find a buyer for something. It's hard to exit out of things. So if you have a business and you, you know, start this business, like, how do you get out, you know, of, of a fortune of whatever it might be? You have to find the right buyer. And Livestock was a store that had, you know, four doors and online. It wasn't massive, so it's too small for a big sneaker chain maybe to, to buy, and then it's too big for uh, maybe someone that shops at the store that could take it over, you know what I mean? So it was a little bit of a needle in a haystack and to do it justice. But I, I learned to, you, you gotta know when to sell, you know, because 
you miss that opportunity, you might miss that opportunity and what's the future of that? You know, like it could go down, it could do this. But also at that time, like where we were at, you know, this was right in the heart of COVID. I did not need another thing that was maybe going to be shut down and open. It was just so much stress relieved, like another thing kind of gone. Uh, like not gone, um, but just off the shoulders because there was so much other things going on. It was just the perfect, perfect uh, thing. And then as well as uh, having a great partner, my, my partner Gary, who pretty much brokered the deal and went to London to meet them and dealt with all the back end stuff. I mean, he's seriously one of the most amazing partners that I've had. He just handled it all and, and was so great through the whole process and really trust trusting him. Like, I mean, a partnership is like a marriage, right? I have many partners for different things with Fortune, with the NLA sales agency, with Time Bomb. And, you know, you're, you're literally, it's like marriage. You're with them 24-7. And, uh, I mean, you hear partnerships going bad and this and that. So I think just making sure that you have a really good partner that you can trust and there's that trust back and forth, but also knowing when to, knowing when to sell and not being too greedy about anything and holding on. Was it hard for you to let go? Like, what was your process of letting go of, of something that you've built for 19 it wasn't, years? No, it wasn't hard at all because of mm. where I was at, to mm. be honest. Um, and, yeah, it, it gave me a little bit of, uh, like, you know, I was paying rent for Fortune as well for a couple of years. Like, we were bleeding money out of there. We, we kept some staff going on, and money was just paying for rent. So it helped. It helped, you know. Like, if I didn't have that, it would be pretty stressful. I was thinking about the idea and notion of connection, and it was something that came to mind this morning, and I started to think of it in context of you and what you do, um, the way that you connect um, brands with retailers through the sales and distribution, the way that you connect kids with music, with fortune, and the way that you connect consumers with product, with the new brand that, that you're starting. Um, I'm interested to know what connection to others means to you and how you practice that in your in your daily life? Um, yeah, I mean, con connection is great. It's, uh, I, I don't know, it's just, uh, just, I don't really think about it, I guess. It just kind of, just do, you know, it, it's, it's great to collaborate. It's great to work with people. I mean, this is definitely not a one-man show. I think everything is based upon the team that surrounds surrounds me you know it's like there's, there's a lot of things going on like I can't say that this is all me and on my shoulders you know all, all I can say is I just really just worked hard I don't think I really even have a skill set I I, I just think I just worked hard you know you hear that 10,000 hours thing to be good at something I think I just put in like 80,000 hours or something but um, I, I think yeah just just kind of being, you know, good for your word, you know, don't really burn bridges and and just keep keeping doing the same thing. And then over that, you know, you, you meet these great connections and work together with people. Yeah. And speaking of, of like collaborating and this and the people in the city and all the creatives, you're now building a brand. And you and I were talking about Vancouver and 15 years ago, how there wasn't um, a set of really strong brands that have come out of the city. And then suddenly there was a really amazing set of, of 
global brands. What do you think makes Vancouver unique that we have these strong brands that are coming out of it now? What's really cool that I'm in this store, Herschel, because, you know, Jamie and Lyndon have been like a really big inspiration, you know, just to show what these two guys have done. Like I've known these guys for so long. I remember Jamie coming to me at the note show, showing me some iteration of a Herschel bag and it was all kind of hand sewn and, hey man, we're going to start this bag brand. And I really didn't know, you know, like it's really hard to start a brand, you know, but I've seen these guys just, just do so well and do so great. And, you know, I think 15 years ago, this wasn't happening. You know, I would go on trips for sales trips around the world and some people didn't even know where Vancouver was. Like, oh, you guys are from Canada. Do you live in igloos? Is it cold? Like all this sort of shit. And I was like, oh my God. You know, I think something started to put us on the map, like, uh, you know, the Olympics and certain people that really put us out there. But, you know, now you look in, at Vancouver, you've got great brands like Herschel, Arcteryx, Lululemon, Raining Champ, Neon Denim, Purple Denim, and then you've got your underground brands like Theme, Hats, uh, it could be Booyah Patrol, Fusher, like there's all these little underground things, Friends with Animals kind of from Vancouver, like all these little things. But I think Vancouver's, well, at first brands were coming from Paris and Tokyo and all these major cities at one point, and no one would think Vancouver's cool to have a brand, but even the Stussy headquarters for their creative is based out of Vancouver now. You know, the brand manager, the senior art directors, the photographers. Why is that? Well, I think, you know, you're from California. It's just always sunny. It's not as seasonal. We would do brands from California and they'd talk about this outerwear that they have for the fall season. And it would be this windbreaker material. Like, I guess you've never been to Canada in the cold. Like, that is not a winter jacket. And the thing with Vancouver is, you know, 80% of our population is close to the U.S. within a three-hour drive. Uh, so we've got a, a USA influence for sure. But then we've got this European influence, of course, with Montreal, the Quebec speaking, and the Commonwealth kind of vibe going on. So we're definitely, I think, a little more styly at times. And then you've got a massive Asian population of Japanese and Koreans and Chinese, which also is big for the market. Like I just had these Japanese visitors this week and they were tripping out on certain areas that we would go to, um, like Chinatown and seeing that vibe and then going to Phnom Penh and like it's all Asian and you know, this like you can't go to California and go to a place like Phnom Penh or you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like for, for food. Um, so I think just the melting pot of the diversity that we have here really makes it special, as well as the whole great city, but then nature and mountains, and it gives it like a nice little twist to the vibes of Vancouver brands that are coming out. Yeah, it's a city that's a diverse in many ways, just yeah. um, not even just from the ethnicity point of view, but like you said, the seasonality and also like the types of nature that we have here. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I have a question about leadership and and leading a team. Um, they often say that the best leaders are ones who recognize what their strengths are, but also know how to delegate um, to other people the things that they may not be so so good at. So my question to you is, what do you know that you're get good at when it comes to um, building a brand? And what are the things that you know others can lead for you? I really don't like the back end stuff so much. The 
the number crunching, the accounting, the financing. I have people that do that for me for sure. I really don't care about it. I don't look at these numbers all day. And I know it's bad to say as a, a business person because it should be probably at the top, but I just like doing good shit. And then hopefully the back end stuff will follow. You know what I mean? Like let's create the vibe at the club, make sure it's great. It doesn't matter if you have an expensive DJ, but if they're amazing, like let's just do it and charge what we got to do and then pack it out and people will be so stoked. They'll just come back next week rather than, oh man, we got this talent. We got to charge, you know, $50 to get in and really watching that numbers. But you do have to have people on your team that look at that stuff. So that's what I have. And sometimes, oh, gee, you know, we can't do that. It's got to be this price or or that. But I, I'd say I like more the creating and the the fun stuff, I guess, per se, but not necessarily the back end stuff so much. Yeah. And you were mentioning earlier that you were doing so much more creative and how much it's really opened you up. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being, you know, everything from sales manager to marketing manager. Um, and then back in the days, how I said that I was more creative back then, I, I think I lost a lot of that just go grinding it out, doing the sales and stuff. But now I'm able to kind of help creatively a little bit more on campaigns and colors and a little bit of design and just, just ideas that way. So it's, it's been refreshing because when you do this for so long, it can get pretty taxing. Um, just it's just like a constant hamster wheel with every you know whether it's a brand a distribution you know there's four seasons a year um, you're constantly finishing one season but you're already into the next and it, there's almost no gap time or if it's a club you know there's just I, I had a club night called happy ending Fridays at fortune that I started and it's still going you know 13 years later and that's 52 weeks out of the year you got to pack that that place out, you know, five, six hundred people. The minute that you finish one night, you're already working on the next, but you've already worked on three months ahead at that time. So it's this constant hamster wheel of, um, you know, it just kind of doesn't stop. Um, you were saying something about the next generation. When you opened the club and you were looking at the lineup and you were seeing that next gen, um, in an episode that I did with um, pro skateboarder uh, Tony Ferguson, we were talking about Pharrell's podcast called Other Tones. And there was an episode between um, Pharrell, uh, Family, Scott Venner, the late Virgil Abloh, and Cause, the, the artist. And they were talking about the importance of passing on the genetic codes to the next generation. And I'd love to know what kind of genetic codes are you going to pass on to the kids that are coming up? Yeah, I mean, um, the youth are the future. There's no doubt about it. So whatever I can always do to help, I'm always down to help and mentor the next gen coming up. It's something that even while promoting or, you know, we, we always had, you know, it wasn't competition with the new kids coming up. It wasn't like, oh, you're doing that. I'm going to do this. We're going to go against each other. But we would collaborate with them and say, hey, I'll tell you what, why don't we work together on this night and then vice versa on that night. You know what I mean? So I think, and especially having, I mean, this was happening before I had kids, but then especially having kids and seeing whatever struggles they're trying to find to get to where they want to go to, um, I, I have a soft spot for that. You know what I mean? So if we can get 
other kids past that it, it by a couple years, all the better, you know? What do you observe about the next gen and how they operate in this world? Like, what, what do they care about? Um, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I think there's just so many different people that are into different things. I can tell you what my kids are into or not into. I mean, they're not into, you know, you know they're not into material things at all. They already kind of say, hey, like, I, I want to just have a really chill, small place, like, really low-key vibe, and they're into nature, they're into the real stuff. They both don't have Instagram for over quite a few years. Um, really special individuals that I've learned so much, like they're into photography and developing film at home. They're into filmmaking, um, fixing their own cars, like getting an old car for... 600 bucks and then putting a little bit in it it might not even work and then just grinding it out to try to make it work sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but really old school souls that way I'm really blown away but it's really influenced my wife and I too to be honest because I wasn't always like that myself I just didn't have the time to do that stuff but to really watch what they're into it's really motivating me to that I think that was one of the reasons why I just ditched a lot of stuff because I, a lot of stuff I was holding on to, like, oh, one day they'll like this or hand it on down, whether it was a specific toy or a this or that, a watch, whatever, but they, they won't wear it. Like, they don't care about it. Like, like, Dad, that's not cool. <laughs> well, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that it's not cool, but they just don't care about it, you know? <laughs> um, they'd probably just sell it at that point, <laughs> you know? Like, there's no... A sentimental thing they just it just doesn't care it's just stuff but it's it's it, it when you think about it it's pretty interesting because if you put that pressure on yourself as a kid that oh my god I need to have this type of house I need to do that like in this world you would stress yourself out with anxiety I was like man they're pretty smart to set that expectation of like hey I'm cool with just this and now I'm not even worried about them because they don't care about that stuff and speaking of stress, I know that you have been over the last couple of years really exploring different well-being modalities and really taking care of your, your mental health. With another year past since we did our last conversation, what have you learned more about yourself in continuing these practices and or if anything that else has come up for you while you're doing these practices and continually doing them? Yeah, I mean, so much. I mean, there's just really been so much. I think the combination of the... Me, you know, me getting older, the kids kind of getting older as well, and then COVID happening. So that was already going on. It just the whole, you know, the whole thing just kind of was a really big couple of years for me. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I think really the mental health and the physical health, like I will try to choose that over anything else, because I think that's the most important thing, uh, you know, business or whatever, like none of that, your personal life or business will be that great if you don't really work on your mental and physical health first. So I'm just trying to put that as a priority. And yeah, I went through a lot of different journeys over the last couple of years that I probably won't get into too deep on this thing. But yeah, I, I, I wrote pages and pages of stuff down that I want to kind of do personally in the next you know few years that I'm working on. And as you've continued to evolve yourself, 
how has you how have you found it affecting the way that you are creatively or how's how has it shifted the way that you approach doing business um how, say that first part again yeah so as you are continuing to evolve as yeah. a human how has it affected the way that you approach things creatively and in business and or in business um i don't know i don't want to you know, stress people out too much when they're working with me. You know, nothing's really that important. So just try to be a little bit more mellow about everything. Um, trying to teach the staff as well, like giving them tools because some of them are younger and going through whatever they're going through. So saying, hey, like, have you tried this? Check this book out or, you know, just offering a little bit of advice. And when things get a little too stressful, I'll try to tell them, you know, hey, it's not, it's not, this isn't that important, you know, like nothing's really that important. So just trying to pass that vibe on to everybody a little bit because what we do can be a little stressful at times, but when you think of the bigger picture of what's going on in the world with war going on and all this, like we're actually pretty blessed, like we're selling stuff to people, you know what I mean? Or club night, you know, it's not, it's not like life or death kind of stuff, like we shouldn't be so stressed out about it. What do you love most about what you do? Um, I mean, sometimes I love it and sometimes I don't, you know, like I, I toy with it sometimes just because working, you know, working a lot, you know, especially, you know, trying to build things, it, it can be a little bit much, but I do, I, when I reflect back on it and I think about all my interests, whether it was in music, skateboarding, snowboarding, um, the livestock with the shoes or everything that I've kind of done like holy shit like I was able to make a living out of all these passion things that I like I don't know how I, I didn't plan that at all it just kind of manifested like everything even though there's many different things they all kind of scratch the back of each other and when I look back at it I'm like wow these are all kind of these interests that I had that I was able to you know make a living doing it yeah, it's a, it's a rare thing that you can, so. Um, I do have a question about all of the industries that you just mentioned and, and your passion in them. Are there any emerging trends within fashion and skateboarding and music that have really gotten your attention or that you're really paying attention to lately? Yeah, I think, I think there's always, you know, it's constantly evolving and changing, I think. I think that's one reason that I held on to the club and the music stuff because you're kind of seeing stuff happen there ahead of time. But really, there's so many different styles. Like, there's so many different people into different things, whether you want skinny jeans, regular fit jeans, baggy pants, whatever. I think everything can be kind of cool. Depends on how you wear it and rock it. Um, so, yeah, there's just so many different vibes, trends, colors, and different things, but it's just, you know, what do, what do I want to do for our company or business? You know what I mean? It's, it's a certain lane that, that you know, because you can't be everything to everybody. And what's on the horizon for you personally and professionally? Um, I just, I think right now is just the time to grind it out. I'm really dedicated to working really hard for these next, you know, four years or more, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, I've just, I, I, I do work hard, um, I don't mind it, I'll 
grind it out. This is the time. Things are open again. I'm happy to see things build. And then kind of start to plan what that next chapter is. And I don't know if it's working full-time or is there a way that I can work part-time in it or, or not. Like I, I'm not really there yet. I think the thing of planning way too far ahead with COVID going on, it just is not happening right now. You know, like before you could have this plan of whatever, but I think you just got to play the plan a little bit closer, closer to the chest. But I'm also not really too worried about that, uh, the future and, and, and what I have to do because, you know, I'm just pointing my head down right now and get to it. When you look back at, at your life and all of the things you've done and all of the people you've connected with, all the things that you've built, what do you feel most proud of? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't, I haven't really felt, I don't really think about it too much. I guess, I guess I'm psyched that we helped build, you know, we, we have a platform for creatives, whether, um, whether it's with the venue and just bringing artists to Vancouver that might have never have come, like help building the scene of Vancouver and the culture in the music vibe. And then, yeah, all the brands that we work with, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, we've taken brands that nobody knew that weren't even in the U.S. before and just being able to build a brand from scratch and those relationships that we have. <laughs> and then, of course, now working on my own thing, um, just being able to use the creative juices again rather than just uh, sales mentality or whatever has been pretty pretty exciting like it's really hard stuff to build a brand it's it's just relentless work and it's just a lot of you know there's a lot of factors going on in this world that you know whether it's supply chain or distributors and <coughs> reps and sales there's a lot of product out there so I think uh yeah it's 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 tough stuff but it's really you can feel proud about it when, when it kind of helps come to fruition you know yeah gee I I've been feeling this a lot lately. I feel like that there's this, I'm thinking about, you know, I was going to ask you what makes you feel excited about Vancouver right now and the city. And I definitely feel like there is this kind of resurgence of this creative energy that's just ready to pop off right now. And I'm wondering, do you feel that same, that same energy? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I ride for my city. I love Vancouver so much. It's the perfect home base, perfect balance between great places to eat, nature, city, ocean, snow, snowboarding. I just, I love it so much here. So um, it's been the perfect home base for me. Uh, you know, you, you sometimes see the music scene or things going off in Toronto and people are moving to Toronto and what Drake did for that whole scene, OVO, um, put on The weekend, put on Party Next Door, he put on um, Roy Woods, Boy Wonder, Wonder Girl, all the producers, they film videos out there, they can boost the economy, they hire models from um, from Toronto, stylists, photographers, video filmers, all that, like it's pretty amazing what happened out there, but then when you look at our city, you know, we've had musicians back in the days from Vancouver, rascals, swollen members, certain things, but I'm kind of waiting for how, like, what, what's going to happen with our scene, you know, like, who's our next thing, because we got such a unique thing. We're not going to come out on some Toronto thug sort of shit, you know, like, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a little bit more DIY. Um, 
So I'm excited to see what can happen with our creative scene because Vancouver is pretty special. It doesn't follow the the same vibe, and that that's just musically. But I could say that uh, all along the way with all the creative photographers and artists here. I, I think there's just so much talent here that you know need to be discovered still, and that are slowly bubbling. Uh, who who or what are you watching here in Vancouver right now? Like as like far as, in, as 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 in something that is starting to emerge, or just yeah, people to kind of keep on top of mind. Um. I don't know. I think I think there's yeah, there's a lot like pockets of underground stuff everywhere. It's hard to know where it's going to go. But we when my my son was DJing pretty early, like at 15 and was doing all these underage parties at that time. And and he was playing at fortunate times, too. But it was really cool to see the underground scene. You know, these kids don't have a lot of money, so they're not buying brand names per se. They kind of can DIY it themselves. They got such sick style, um, whether it's vintage or, you know, just putting stuff together. And there's a lot of, like, really interesting kids making music and beats and production. There's just such an underground scene of all these creatives that, you know, don't even have any followers per se, but they're just so talented. I'm like, wow, this person's probably going to blow the shit up at some point, you know? Um, so, yeah, just pretty excited to see what can happen there and anything that we can do to help that whether it's you know with the venue or with what we're doing like we'll, we'll do photo shoots for some of our brands and hire different photographers and let them kind of get creative with it that's always pretty fun just like let them shine and just a couple more questions before we we open the the floor up to all the people who gave you a chance along the way to the friends that you've collaborated with, created with, um, what would you like to, or even your friend circle, what would you like to express to them right now in this moment? I think um, just pure gratitude. Uh, we don't show that enough, uh, but I'm really grateful for everybody that's helped me along the way. I had an issue with some graphics like somebody had a little bit of a health problem and I was right in the middle of <clears throat> trying to finish this catalog and man just being able to call a friend while I'm outside like outside of the country and something's due on Friday and I'm finding this out on Monday and this thing isn't finished I was able to call a friend and man I'm really in this bind you you know can you help me shout out Randy Laborn um you know like just I was like wow I can't believe that he did this for me, like that he had a full-time job, he's doing this stuff on the off time, and just that you can like call a friend and they're down to help, you know, like that, that's happened many a times, you know, and, and I try not to really ask for help if I don't have to, of course, but, you know, it's nice to know that these friends are, are there for you to help. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like at the end of the day, it never is about the things that you did, but really is the relationships that you've, and connections you've made along the way that really is what life is about. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So my final question, so the, the question that I usually ask everybody at the end of, of all of my episodes is with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? But obviously G being my first guest has already answered that, unless you're... <laughs> Hold for... <laughs> Parking's up. <laughs> do you want to re-up your parking? No, nah, we can wait. <laughs> And what do you hope for for 
the people in your life, the people that you love and care for, um, you know, even the people who work for you, for humanity at large, what do you hope for for everybody? Um, yeah, I just hope uh, everybody can be compassionate and have empathy for what's going on with everybody else's life because I think people are going through so many different things. So just to be a little bit more grateful and you know, show empathy towards it because you don't know what people are dealing with with their personal life. So, um, yeah, just maybe think about that the next time something's messed up with something, you know, like just, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal and just to be more chill. More understanding, more compassion. Yeah. Well, thank you, G, for, for coming in and, and doing this with me again, round two. Yep. Thank Always you. appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I have one thing too. Mm -hmm. um, the craft. I'd love to see some guests on here like Lyndon, Jamie, Kenta from Herschel. These guys. I tried for Kenta. Really? He's yeah. saying no? He's got a nice uh, I'm gonna convince tequila him, though. soda that he needs to promote. <laughs> really good too. Yeah, so if anybody has any questions, I have about 10 minutes. I think we're going to do 10 minutes of, of Q&A. Yeah. With all the work you have on the go, I'm curious to know what practices you have to avoid burnout, how to rest, and how to continue to do, like put all the creative energy you have towards your work. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I was really dealing with a lot prior, just with all the stuff going on, it's hard for any human to go through different stresses that come in, but a good friend of mine uh, told me about meditation, so that was one thing that I did maybe eight years ago and started, started with reading some books, and then I ended up taking a course, and then I kind of fell off it a bit, and then I read more books and podcasts, started doing it a little bit more, and then took another course, so that's really been a lifesaver, I think. I do this twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. I started uh, yoga over the last couple of years. I'd never done it before in my life, but um, that that's pretty cool. Just, I mean, yoga and stretching now, uh, that, I, I like to do that every day. So these certain routines, I realize like these routines that I do, like I have to wake up and do this stuff, try to swim, cold water, rivers i just started golf nine months ago which was kind of a, a fuck you to being busy because you have to do six hours by yourself playing this stupid game <laughs> trying to get the ball in the hole never played before in my life and I, I just didn't have the time you know like when you're doing the club fridays and saturdays how do you get up on sunday to go play golf you're just tired and then, then the whole family time when your kids are growing up, you want to be with them. But as they started to grow, I was like, okay, now's the time. I get to hang with my bro, Quinn, who's here, here and um, other people uh, that I have never hung out with before. Like, like, I've known them, but never really put that time in. So, yeah, just really start, and, you know, cooking, cooking, walking, nature, um, all that kind of stuff, all typical stuff that you've probably heard about, but really just trying to do it and and it doesn't always work like i mean still there's there's still times that come up you know like even meditation it's not like oh oh wow rainbows and unicorns <laughs> no it's not like that there's a book called 10 percent happier 
by Dan Harris that it's just like, it, maybe, maybe you'll be 10% happier. Well, I'll take 10% happier. Maybe it could be a little bit more, but you know, like start with that. You know what I mean? So even if it just can assist a little bit, Um, what's the greatest piece of advice that you would give to a young person kind of wanting to start up their own business? Um, well, I would, um, I would definitely be really passionate about the business that you want to get into. Um, I really like, you know, like Stance Socks is a brand that we do as well. Herschel, these guys were first in the category you know, like came up with something really unique and different. You know, Stance, there's this multiple brands that do socks with patterns on it now. But at that time, I remember picking up this brand. It was over 12 years ago or something. And there were really expensive socks. People could be like, why don't you, what do you mean? Like people can buy white socks at Walmart, a pack of X amount. Like how are you going to sell socks for 15 bucks retail? But they were the first to do it and put patterns on it. And I think it was a really big success with Herschel. And when you kind of go down the line with uh, different uh, other products like Nixon with watches or whatever, being original and having an idea that's, that hasn't been done is always good. Um, you know, then there's the business part of it. You know, I think everyone can also have an idea, but if you don't have that business backend knowledge, so maybe working in the industry a little bit to understand it a little bit, like, don't just open a retail store if you have never worked retail or if you've never worked with a brand, don't just do that. And then the, sec the third component is financing. I mean, unfortunately, that's probably the most important thing. We all have ideas, we all have things, but if you don't got you know, a lot of money or some backing on it, it's gonna be really tough. So, um, and then um, even, even for us doing Fortune, we did an old school like business plan. You know, like doing a business plan for whatever it is, it starts to wrap your head around, oh, wow, like I have to make this much sales. I have to produce this. How much will I have to do? What are my expenses? It just really starts to tick off the boxes of all the stuff that you need to do. Any more questions? Oh, yes. Um, you made a comment earlier in the very beginning of the show saying that you have... Uh, no skills, and it just took you, you know, 80,000 hours to get to this point. Can you describe a moment in which you realize, like, damn, I don't have that many skills, but I made it. You know, I did this thing. Can you describe a moment where that's happened as a business owner? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of thought about it, like, what, what am I good at or whatever. Like, you know, certain people have skills, like I'm a great graphic artist or a great whatever. Maybe there is something in there about, being able to work with people or connect, but in the end it was just really grinding hard towards it. I don't know, I mean, I guess just before the podcast thinking about this stuff, like, oh shit, like, I don't know if I have any particular skill that I'm great at, but, you know, that's hope for all you guys too, because just work really hard at something and <laughs> there you go. I think we have time for one more question. Um, my question is, for someone that does so many things and takes on so many projects, as a creative, how do you 
decide what projects you take on and what projects do you lean into and what projects do you not lean into or like like put on the side and sort of like how do you prioritize what you take on or like how do you prioritize even your day and like balancing all of these things that you take on yeah i think um i think i'd probably take on more you know like there's been times where oh man why did i just set up this party now i got to go out on Saturday, what the hell am I doing? So I, I think I take on more, and, and you know, you got to learn how to say no at times. I'm not the best at that. But there are many times you have to say no as well, just with brands. Like brands are hitting us up all the time uh, for Canada distribution, and you can't take all of them on. So I guess there's just like a feeling of timing uh, of if, if there's a hole in the market for where I want to go, and you're looking at your staff at that time, your infrastructure, is this the right time? You know, I, I was offered, you know, with the partner that bought into Fortune, I was offered to take on other venues and kind of be a within a group that would buy more venues and have these kind of things. But I thought about it for a second and I kind of pulled the plug on that to nah, this isn't really what I want to do. So it's a little bit of a gut feeling as well that you have to kind of, you know, I'm so loyal to everything that I do <clears throat> that it's going to be a, a 10, 15, 20 year kind of thing. And you know, when you're younger, you can take this stuff on. But at this phase of my life, I'm also trying to think, OK, like if I take on a new project now, how long am I going to be involved? How am I going to get out? What's that exit plan? So it might be different for everybody in this room. But with the stage that I'm at now, I'm really not trying to take on anything too much, like maybe more passive investments that you can maybe be a part of, but don't have to be on the floor so much. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming out, for listening to this conversation. And hopefully, there'll be many more live ones like this. Um, but for now, everyone have a drink and be merry. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, May. Thank you, Garrett. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.